0: Reach Church, how, how are we doing today? Are we fired up? Fired up. And I, I can tell you this, uh, it never gets old hearing s- testimonies like that. And uh, one thing we know, when the leaders of the house are personally impacted, it will flow through you uh, in everything you do into, into the church and community. So thanks for sharing that, and having the, the bravery to do that. Uh, and you know, are there any teachers in the house? Any teachers? Um, one of the things I know is, We can teach students, right, but it's up to the student to receive it and actually do something with it. And uh, that's what's awesome is I know that's my job is to be able to bring the word, be able to share the word, and then it's up to us to be able to go and apply it, right? And uh, I can plead, I can beg, I can inspire, but ultimately we all have our own personal journeys where we have to take ownership of it, and I'm fired up about that. I get to travel the earth, God's green earth, talking about uh, stewardship and managing money God's way. So today I am talking about money. Who's fired up about that? Yes, five people are fired up. Um, that is my calling, and I am passionate about it. Uh, last weekend, I was in Anchorage, Alaska, preaching about this. They had an early snowfall. It was only 16 inches. It was unbelievable. If you watch my Instagram account, you'll see me uh, walking through that on the top of a mountain. Now, I don't know why I did that. I need some inspection of my brain, apparently, but we made it. It was awesome. Uh, I I was in Amarillo, Texas recently. We'll be in Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey. Uh, We're going to be all over uh, through this fall, and we're so excited to be back on the road serving people with this stuff called uh, personal stewardship and managing this stuff. Now, let me ask you a question before we get started. Who owns everything? Okay, let me help you. When the preacher asks a question, the answer is either yes or God. Right? Yes, or Jesus? Right? And you like ninety five percent of the time you'll be right. So let me ask that again: Who owns it all? That's right. God owns it all. Psalm twenty four one. They shared this this morning. By the way, the worship team I, I just loved how they led us in worship today. And do you know they prepare before they come out here? That's really awesome. And they sing victory and Jesus get fired up. I wanted to shout Yeehaw in the middle of that. That was awesome. But I love the old hymns. Who loves the old hymns? I love the old hymns. They're unbelievable. And uh, but but he, he, Caleb shared Psalm 24-1 that says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all live in it. It's all God's. And today, I want to inspire you, equip you, and share this passage of Scripture uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll be there in a couple minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And before we do that, I want to give you kind of a title or a working title for this message. And I've struggled with t- giving it one title. So I've started by giving it one title called Move. From blank to blank. Okay? And the reason there's blanks is I kind of have four titles. So I need you to help me name this after the service. But here, here's the four different potential titles. Move from owing to owning. Would that be a good message? Okay, another one is move from selfish to selfless. Would that be a good one? Here's another one. Move from struggling to surplus, okay? One more, move from greed to generosity, okay? So I don't know which one's the right title for it, so right now it's move from blank to blank, but here's what I do know. If you're going to move, it takes effort. Who here has moved before? You've had to move across town, okay? Who had to move long distance before? It's, it takes effort to move, doesn't it? And it drives you crazy, especially if you're moving to a new town, nothing is familiar, you don't know. And here's what I know. The same is true in our life. If we're going to move from greed to generosity, hey, if we're going to move from owing everybody to owning, if we're going to move from selfishness to selflessness, it's going to take some effort, isn't it? And it's going to take the power of God working in us to be able to make that change. Because, listen, we can resolve to do all we want, but the last I check, we're all human. And we're all faced daily with this thing of, I want more me, put myself first, right? And, and is it, would anybody here admit that you use social media? Who, who looks at Instagram on a regular basis? Anybody? That's me. Anybody look at Facebook on a regular basis? Okay. Anybody Snapchat it up? Anybody Anybody tick-toking? Okay. Um, anybody successfully avoided all this stuff? Has anybody done that? That's awesome. You can teach the lessons. That would be helpful. But here's what I know. Um, I was on Instagram recently, and I, I started counting, and every fourth post is an ad. Every fourth one. And, and do you think those ads are saying, honor God with your money? <laughs> do you think they're saying, live generously? Or do you think they're saying, transfer money from your pocket to our pocket, do it now? Yeah. Right? And, and it tells me that if I do it, I can save money. I can save 30%. And I, I say, if I keep saving money like that, I'm going to be broke really fast. Right? But here's what I would just tell you. It takes effort to move. And when I look at this passage of Scripture today, you know, one thing that I want us to pay attention to is how God, through His Scripture, is asking us to move. And to move from what? Well, let's ask some questions. Um, Let's make sure we're on the same page today. If you had the choice of having money or having no money, which would you choose? Okay, having money. If you could choose between having lots of stress and anxiety or a lot of peace, which would you choose? Okay, peace. Okay, if you had the choice of zero debt or lots of debt, which would you choose? Okay, and if you had the choice of being a giver or a taker, which would you like to be known as? a giver, right? And so we'll talk about doing this move. And it looks like we're on the same page. So let's read this. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 14. And Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth. And he says this, I love the first two words, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap, help me, sparingly. I'll start again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap, help me, For the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Will you join me in praying and asking God to speak each to us clearly and help us get a next step? Lord, I pray right now that through your word, you would help us recognize that it is just as relevant to our life as the time that Paul put pen to paper. Lord, I pray you would give each of us a clear next step. Help us to walk closer to you, recognizing you are the owner and the provider of it all. Lord, may we all be known as givers, not takers, as selfless, not selfish, as generous, not greedy. Lord, move us from owing to being owners. And Lord, let us do it for your glory and point all the glory to you. We love you, and it's your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. I love this passage of scripture. It fires me up in very deep ways. And I like in this first passage of scripture, uh, verse six, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap, help me again, sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Generously. And I always like to say, and if you sow nothing, what will you reap? Ah, And, and this is a principle, right? The farmers in the room, the gardeners in the room will tell you this is true. If you do not plant seed, there is no chance of a harvest. And here's the thing. I get this beautiful opportunity to travel all over, teach about managing money God's way. And invariably, I have someone come up and talk to me and say, Joe, I am praying for this abundant harvest, for this thing to come true. And this, and it's quite expensive. And I'll say, okay, how much are you investing? And they get this weird look and And I'm like, like in your 401k retirement plan and investment, real estate, how much are you investing? And they're like, I'm not investing anything. I can't afford that. And I'll tell them, look, I love you. And because it's my calling, I need to tell you that you have a better chance of capturing a magical unicorn in your backyard than you do of getting any harvest because the principle is this, the harvest is proportional to what is sown. The harvest is proportional to what is sown. And I did not know this as a young person. You know, I grew up in a family with, there were four boys, and my mother and father um, tried one more time for a daughter. They really wanted a daughter. And so they got married in 59, and in 1960, here comes a baby boy. In 62, here's a baby boy. In 65, here comes another baby boy. And then like 68, here's another baby boy. And they're like, my mom's like, we're going to have a girl. And so when the fourth boy was six, they had another baby on the way. They're going to have their baby daughter. And it was March 31st at 10 o'clock at night. Now, my mother just gave up on going to the doctor. She's like, I'm just going to have a baby. We'll figure it out at some point in time. And so she shows up in labor, March 31st, 10 p.m. What's the day after March 31st? April Fool's. This is relevant to the story. And so the nurse was listening to the womb with a stethoscope and gets this puzzle look, raced out and got a doctor and said, there's something wrong with the baby's heartbeat. He listens and he breaks into this big smile and said, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats. There's two of them. And my mother said, that is an awful April Fool's Day joke. Um, And she said what I think any mother would say in that moment. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We are going to have one baby and it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. That's what she said. And uh, the doctor smiled and said, I don't know about what it is, but there's two of them. Get ready. And so a half hour later, an hour and a half before April Fool's Day, my identical twin brother was born. Seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. And my mother cried. Um, She did. I've got witnesses. And and so she said, if we try for a girl again, we might have triplet boys. So we are done with this nonsense. And so my mother and father remember raising these six boys and, and, and they, my dad said he particularly remembers driving around in the family auto, which was a 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. Get fired up. It's a Land Jot. If you want to be blessed today, Google that. A 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. Ours was copper tone color, if you want to know what it looked like. Does anybody remember these cars? They were huge. They were awesome. They would go very fast. But my mother and father had a rule. No kids up front. So all six of us stuffed in the back, no seat belts, And because me and my twin were the youngest, we had to choose between sitting on the hump or in the back window. Who remembers the hump? Anybody remember the hump? Some of you don't even know this, but, but anyhow, we would be back there and my dad said he remembers looking in the rear view mirror and he would see, he would describe them as six beady little sets of eyes staring at him and he was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be broke Forever. How do I even feed these, you know, huge appetites? And all of a sudden, he had a light bulb moment. Ding, ding, ding. We can grow our food. And and I'll I'll never forget him him, him saying, and my parents, they would ruin my life every, every springtime, would not consult my schedule, and announce that it was time to plant the garden. Has anybody ever had to do this? And I mean, we planted huge gardens. We had an acre of sweet corn like a half acre of green beans, some blue lake bush green beans get fired up. We would plant everything. We'd plant cantaloupe and cucumbers and and the burpless type. And then we'd plant okra and we'd plant beets and radishes and carrots and whatever that is and kohlrabi or I don't know all this stuff. And even tomatoes, which tomatoes are poisonous. They're red. That is a sign from God. It's poisonous. You should not grow them. But my mom made me grow them. I hate them. But anyhow, um, I grow them now for some weird reason. My wife likes them. But anyhow, um, I would plant these things, and it would, it would, I couldn't play with my friends. I had to plant this garden. And then every one of them, a lot of them would grow, and then come along the summertime, again, without consulting my schedule, my mother would announce that it was green bean picking day. And your day is ruined. It's over. And because we would go pick these green beans, and what do you have to do after you pick them? You got to snap them. And, and the only thing that would redeem it is if we were good, my mother would let us share a 16-ounce glass bottle of Coca-Cola. Woo! I fear the spirit of the Lord in this place. It wasn't awesome in the glass bottle. It's unbelievable. Anyhow, we, we, we would share that, and we would put up over 200 quarts of green beans a summer. Oh, yeah. We had green beans about every meal. How do you want your eggs at breakfast? Here's a scoop of green beans. Get fired up. But here's what I know. It, it's really interesting. Um, the harvest is proportional to what is sown. And, and because we planted a huge garden, we got a huge harvest. And, and this moment came that, you know, as a kid, you're like, when I get older, I'm not planting no garden. And then I bought this house. And then what did, what did I find myself doing that next spring? Planting a garden. I became my parents. Who remembers the day you turned into your parents? It's a very alarming day. And so I go out there and I have this issue. Um, some of you know what I'm talking about, your gardeners. I have an issue that if I plant a seed, I have a problem with having to thin it out if they're too close to each other. And so I would make sure I was very careful to plant them far apart. And I would end up with lots of leftover seed. Now watch this. Do you think every one of those seeds sprouted? No. And then of the seeds that sprouted, you think they all matured and produced a harvest? No. Why? Because of Bambi's dad and mom chomping them and Peter Cottontail come and chomp them and the dog walking on it, right? And and maybe a late frost and stuff happens, right? And so here's what happened. I planted, watch this, sparingly, and then a bunch of it died. And then I get the harvest time. Guess what type of harvest I had? sparing meanwhile I have a lot of seed left in the in the garage and after two years of that and being frustrated all of a sudden I realized this verse literally came to my mind and I said the reason I'm having a sparing harvest is because I'm sowing sparingly and that year I got over my issue with thinning out or hurting plants I planted all the seeds I planted them all just <laughs> And when they came up too close to each other, it's like, you got to go. Too bad, so sad. Go call your dad. And guess what? From that moment on, I've had an abundant harvest. This year, I put up 40 quarts of green beans. Get fired up. Called my dad and asked my mom, hey, how do I, how do I can green beans? And my dad said, throw them all away and buy them at the store. <laughs> but, but I canned them. It was awesome. But here's what I've learned. When I planted green beans, guess what sprouted? Green beans. Now that would be shocking if it was corn. So here's two questions I want to ask us today. Here you go. You ready? What are you sowing? And how much of it are you sowing? Hey, and if you think I'm only talking about money, watch this. You have chaos in your life. You have anxiety? Hey, are you sowing those seeds? You all need to pray for me. I, I have a 22-year-old daughter. Help me, Jesus. She is a senior in college. She knows everything. If you don't believe it, just call her up. Malia Sangle knows everything. She is awesome. I love her. She's beautiful. She looks like her mama. That's a direct answer to prayer. But she, she, she is very confident in herself. And she is a senior in college. And because she is very brilliant, like her mama, um, she uh, only needs two classes this whole year to graduate. One class this semester, one class next semester. And and so what did she do? She, instead of signing up for one class, signed up for six classes, decided to triple major in stuff. And and she got an internship, A full-time job is a full-time cross-country athlete for the college and bought a house. And then came to my house the other day and and said that she's feeling really anxious and stressed out for some reason. She's confused. (laughs) Parents, have you had these conversations? And you're like, oh, really? Do you remember me talking about this? Right? And so she's going to drop some classes, but she's been sowing those seeds. Does that make sense? So what are you sowing? How much of it are you sowing? And it relates to our dollars too, doesn't it? And so I just thought we'd have fun in botany class today. And I brought some seeds and I want you to guess what they grow. Okay, let's put a picture of a seed up here. Anybody know what type of seed this is? Of course, I wanted it to be a green bean. Let's show you what it grows. That is a green bean. I took these pictures, by the way, of of the seeds themselves. Okay, let's show you another seed. This is going to be fun. What is that? Oh, you know that one because it's jack-o'-lantern time. That's right. It grows a jack-o'-lantern. And does anybody eat pumpkin seeds? They're very, very good. Excellent to eat. Okay, so when you're carving that out in all those slimy hands, bake them up, man, with some salt. Woo! Awesome. Okay, what's next? Anybody recognize that one? Oh, yeah, I heard it. It's a watermelon. Isn't that awesome? It grows a watermelon. What else? Let's look at the next one. Now, this is a little more difficult. Anybody, unless you're in first service, you may not know this. I know? It is not a rock. Okay? Let's show them. That is a loofah. Did you know you can grow loofahs? The, thing, the scrubbing brush? You can grow them. It's absolutely incredible. It's a vine. It will grow 30 or 40 feet long. Nothing will kill it, and each vine will produce five to ten of them. They're awesome. And I encourage you to buy the seeds and grow them next springtime. Now, look at this. You come to Reach Church, you learn right now relevant information for your life. Isn't that awesome? loofah. Okay, let's look at another seed. This is a lot of seed. This is a noxious weed that farmers fight, and people buy this on purpose and feed it to birds. It's thistles, right? It's thistles right? It's unbelievable. Let's look at another seed. One more. Oh, you know that one. That's a dandelion. So here's the principle. What we harvest is proportional to what we sowed. And there is no, should be no surprise. And this is part of our financial journey. And so my question is, are you sowing as a life, as a Christ follower, are you sowing seeds of selfishness or selflessness? By the way, kids and grandkids are watching. Are you sowing seeds of greediness or generosity? And look, we're all humans, aren't we? And, we? and greed constantly competes for us or in our attention, doesn't it? The I want. And every now and then we have to fire our wanter. So important. Let, let's look at the next verse. It's in verse 7. It says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Here's the principle. Cheerfulness accompanies generosity. You know, this is really important as a Christ follower. When we give, when we choose to give, time, talent, treasure, cheerfulness should be with that. When we give the full tithes to the church to build God's kingdom, as prescribed before the law, during the law, and after the law, affirmed by Jesus himself in Matthew 23, 23, we should be fired up about it. Woo, I am fired up. I am. Right? Cheerfulness. And when we give to the homeless person, when we give to the least of these, that coworker who's going through a tough time, that family member, when we see that, that opportunity to give, cheerfulness should accompany it. In fact, we've all experienced it probably at some time or another, maybe even when you went through a drive-thru line. Have you ever went through a drive-thru and you go to pay and they say, hey, the car in front of you bought your meal? Isn't that awesome? What do you do when the person in front of you has bought your meal? What do you do? You buy it for the one behind you and then you immediately commence to praying, Lord, don't let it be a 15-passenger van behind me, right? (laughs) Have you ever done that? (laughs) Has anybody ever worked a drive-thru? Anybody work the drive-thru? Where did you work in the drive-thru? Say it out loud. McDonald's. McDonald's. Where, where else? KFC. KFC. Get fired up. Yeah, 11 secret herbs and spices. Right? And, and, and so I worked at Taco Bell. Get fired up as a young person. And there's this unique thing that happens. And people who work to drive-thru, who see people buy a meal, will say that on average, that run will run from like 15 to 25 straight cars. Here's why. Generosity is so extraordinary that it catches people off guard and it's very inspirational. And in that moment, it compels us to do weird things like buy the cars behind us meal. It catches us off guard. And that is the life of a Christ follower is that we should live a life so poured out that it causes people who are far from him to stop and say, what in the world is that? And it's very attractive. In fact, it's because we are created in the image of God. And, and we see it on the signs. You'll see if you're watching the pro football games today, John 3, 16. And what does it say? That God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son, Jesus. What did he do? He gave his one and only life that he could give us the free gift of salvation, something we could not earn and do not merit. That's why when we give as Christ followers, it should be accompanied with great cheerfulness. I remember working this drive-through line at Taco Bell, and if you've never worked a drive-through at Taco Bell at like one or two a.m. on a Saturday night, get fired up. It's very <laughs> special people drive through Taco Bell at that time. And uh, I had this one person I'll never forget it. I'm like a teenager, and he he uh, had had a beer or nineteen, and uh, he should not have been on the road. And he had ordered some tacos, and you remember. Uh, the 59 79 99 menu, the 99 cent menu 59 cent, it was unbelievable. Anyhow, he had ordered something that I think was like I don't know, less than four bucks and he shows up at the window and all he had was pennies and he had a handful of pennies this big with them falling out, heaped over and he just threw them through the window at me. I was like, it's amazing, it's exact change. And just let him be on his way, it was awesome. It was all over the floor, it was hilarious. But anyhow, I digress from the message. I was very cheerful about his giving of pennies. But here's what I would tell you. When people give, when we give, we may not always see the end result of our giving, but we can always experience the abundant joy and the cheerfulness of having been the giver. And I want you to know though, that, Giving always results in some sort of impact. You may not see it this side of heaven. I did see a video recently that I ran across where you can actually see the cheerfulness and the result. This is a great, great little video. And I wanted to share it with you today. Let me set it up for you. It's a story. It's a dad and his son. His son is about 11 or 12. His son is headed to play his baseball game. It's the son's birthday. For his birthday, he wanted to get a very special baseball bat, but he thinks his dad has forgotten his birthday, and so we're gonna pick it up as they head to the baseball game. Let's look at this video. Y'all, you, right? you still mad at me, huh? You All right. Today, I gotta get something out the trunk. Go get, go get that, get that bag from out the trunk. Happy birthday! Don't cry. You're about to make me cry. Don't cry. Pull it out. Let the world see. It. I want to see some home. I want to see some home runs. I love you. Please don't. Don't cry. Let me see. Let me see you post up with it. How you going to knock it out the bar? There you go. Right. We're going to go to this game and hit some home runs, right? That's right. And, and, and Brahim Fowler is his name. He's from the outskirts of Philadelphia. And true story, that afternoon, with that bat, he hit a home run, and his dad caught it in over the outfield fence. It was incredible. Brahim Fowler. And, and I just wanted to just share that because do you experience the joy of that? Just being a part of that moment fires me up every time I watch it. And it should do the same for us. And as Christ followers, it will stand out. And let's talk about what happens. Uh, In verse uh, 8 and 9, it says, I love this verse. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See all those times it says all? At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And the point that I want us to catch here is, and God is able. In fact, will you say that word with me, those four words with me? Let's go. And God is able. Able to do what, Joe? Hey, whatever you need. Are you praying for healing? Healing. Hey, I came today to remind somebody, and God is able. Hey, you looking for a relationship to be restored? Hey, let me remind you, and God is able. Hey, you, you know someone, or maybe you're struggling with addiction, and you need freedom from that? Listen, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And God is able able hey you got a financial mess you got some challenge in front of you you got a dream God put in your heart that's bigger than your bank account shows let me tell you today and God is able let's say it again let's go and God is able so that in all things at all times having all that you need you're going to be able to abound in every great work doesn't that fire somebody up today I'm fired up right now I'm gonna I, I, thank you Lord That he is able. It fires me up at another level. Because whenever I see a hopeless situation, let me tell you what it does for me. If I know God has called me to do it, it's it's another opportunity for God to show up and work a miracle in my life. And guess what happens when the miracle happens? Only he will get the glory. Because they look at Joe Sengel and say, I know that guy. There's no way he can do that. You know why? Because I went to Purdue University get fired up. woo! And I got a 2.64 GPA. They know I couldn't do it. My, that 2.64 was because I didn't get a single A in any engineering class. It was lifted up by my A in indoor flower arranging. Get fired up. Why did I take that? There were 97 girls in the class and three guys. Get fired up. I believe that plant right there is a hosta or tomato. I can't tell, right? But here's what I would tell you. I went through my journey and my, my financial journey started out broke. Maybe yours is the same. The youngest of six, I went to college. Me and my twin, first go to college. I went to Purdue, financed it all. Sally Mae Student Loan Company, baby. Long-term relationship. Got a credit card my first weekend there. Financed a bunch of stuff on it. Graduated with tens of thousands of student loan debt, thousands of credit card debt. Graduated and bought a car. Get fired up. I had no money. I had a 1981 Datsun B210. Caught on fire twice. The rear end had snapped off its frame. It wiggled like a fish, literally down the road. The passenger side floorboard had rusted out. I had a custom cut piece of plywood so my friend wouldn't fall out while we were driving. <laughs> the driver's side door stopped latching. So I rolled down the window and tied it shut and went in and out of the window like the Dukes of Hazard. Do you agree I needed a different car? But I wanted a new car. So I bought a new car. Even financed a sales tax, 105% financing. And then I continued my brilliant streak of financial decision-making. And I, I, got, I moved to South Carolina with a job transfer in 1998. And I found a lost book of the Bible, first book of Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 2, says every guy needs a truck. I made that up. So I bought one, 100% financed. And, and I know there's got to be a lost book that says that. I know, but I made that up. And, uh, and then I asked my college sweetheart to marry me and I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica all on the credit card. And then we moved to South Carolina, and we bought a house somehow. And we needed furniture, and we financed it twenty-four months, same as cash. And I found this moment when I God had blessed me, and I was a terrible manager of it. I was blowing it all. And this moment came that I realized that if God is able, it requires me to move. I have to move, and, and I didn't want to move because I'm a spender. And, and I don't like to change that. I don't like to tell myself no. Are there any humans who admit you don't like telling yourself no? And this moment that came in, I realized, and God is able, and it, God spoke to me through my bride. And I don't know what it is, but it's not fair, but brides get cuts in line to the Holy Spirit. It's not fair. And so for some reason, on this random Sunday after church, I'm watching my beloved Chicago scrubs lose another baseball game. Right, the Chicago Scrubs, when they lose, you know, April 1st is when they're mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. That's the first day of season. I'm a bitter Cubs fan. But anyhow, uh, she came in one Sunday while I'm taking the nap and said, Joseph, what do you think of this budget? And, and because I'm a spender, I immediately shrank back from it and I burst into poetry and said, you know, th- my name is Joe. That makes me say no. That interrupts my flow, so it's got to go. See, I'm a poet and I know it. My feet show it. They're Longfellows. Henry Wadsworth for those English people. Anyhow, uh, so anyhow, she was cute though. So I decided to look at it and a moment happened on an ordinary Sunday in the middle of just ordinariness, a holy moment happened. And I saw in that moment that this, this handwritten budget could be a spreadsheet. My engineer heart, and I ran in and got on my Gateway 2000 computer. <laughs> we put together a budget, and that was July, that was July of 2003. Coming close to 20 years ago, we put together a budget, and in the budget we put God first, the full tithe before taxes. We put intentionally bless others. And we planned everything else out. And by the grace of God, we've been able to follow it since. I'm here to tell you in that one moment, our whole life changed. Pastor talked about it changed his marriage, changed my marriage forever. Changed the way we communicate, changed what we get to do with our daily life. In 14 months, we paid off all of our debt except for our house. Three and a half years later, we found ourselves leaving corporate America, negotiating a 50% pay cut get fired up, to go to work for a church where we're storing up our treasure in heaven, and be able to go do what we are called to do. I wonder what would have happened if I would ignored that moment. But in that moment, God was able to grip my heart, change it, and nothing else has been the same since. I had no idea in that moment that God was going to compel me six years later to write a book. That every publisher unanimously agreed should not be published. Called I was broke, now I'm not. That I would indeed become a self-publisher and release it in January of 2008. And that God would put his hand on it and sell more than $2 million worth of it. I had no idea. And I look back today and say, I wonder what would have happened if I had ignored God's holy, quiet whisper in my life. We've been able to give more money away than I ever dreamed. And we have this intentional bless others in our budget every month, and we've invited our kids into the journey. They know it exists. We pull it out in cash. It's not a small amount of money. And whenever we see a need, we just give it away. My son has been particularly gripped by it. He's 11 now, almost 12. And there's been moments when he's like five or six when he will see a person standing on a street corner, my wife, you know, she's got her list. She's got her 20 checklist items. She's going to get it all done, and she's going to Target, and she's going to Kohl's, and she's going to here and there. And there's no, no time for anything else. And he will literally get in front of her, not allow her to go into Target, whatever, until we go back and give the money away. And is there anything more compelling than seeing our children catch this? It's so great. And so I encourage you to understand God is able. And we finish it with the verses 10 through 14, the five, five verses. It says, now you supply seed to the sower and bread for food. We'll also supply and increase your store of seed and we'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way. And here's the answer why. When you see so that, it means why. So that you can be what? Generous on every occasion. So that you can buy another four-wheeler. I like, forward, I like anything with an engine and tires. I'm all in. But if it robs me of the ability to live generously, I'm not into it. And, and it says, so you can be generous on every occasion. And Watch what happens. Through us, your generosity will what? Result in thanksgiving to God. It, you'll see it again. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, Others will do what? Praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and within everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. I'll wrap it up by sharing this final point, and then I'm going to issue a challenge to us all. The final point is this. Generosity meets people's needs and points them to God. Generosity meets people's needs and points them to God. You can see that in this passage of scripture, and it's just as true today as when it was pen to paper from Paul to the church in Corinth. As Christ followers, that is part of our primary calling, is to meet the needs of others. And when God does his transformative work through that generosity, to any praise directed to us, that we'd reflect it back to the Lord. This is why we're inspired when we see athletes give credit to the Lord. This is why we see people who live generously give credit to the Lord. It should be a primary hallmark of our Christian life that we meet people's needs and we point them to God. And generosity is one of the greatest ways to do that because it is so unique, it is so profoundly weird. In a world full of takers, give or stand out. In a world full of greed, generosity, it glows. In a world full of selfish people, selflessness is so unusual. And in a world full of debtors, owners, you know what? They are the blessers of the multitudes. My challenge to each of us today as we finish up this message is what is your next step? And I have a next step I've prepared for us. And as I prepared for this message, one of the things that I know is uh, this is research that shows the average person consumes forty eight hours of media per week through TV, through social media, through all the different forms of media that's out there, and we're bombarded with messages about you deserve you deserve a break today, you deserve this, buy this, and so I prepared something called a ninety day giving challenge. Let me explain what this is, and I'm going to show you how you can be a part of it. I, I sat down and I I. I identified my 13 favorite passages of scripture related to giving, related to putting God first and managing money in a way that honors God. And I, I prepared about a four to six minute devotional moment. It's a video on YouTube where I teach on that video, in that video about that scripture, we read it. And then I talk about one or two principles we can take away from it. And then how can we apply it that week? And if you sign up for this, you'll get one a week for 13 weeks every Monday, kind of a way to kickstart your week. It says in God's word that if thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And it's a way of getting God's word in our heart and pushing back this spirit of greed that, that we're constantly confronted with. And here's how you sign up. You can pull out your phone and there's gonna be a QR code up here. And here's how you do it. You just, any phone with your camera, just hold it up to this thing. And it's going to find it, and it's going to pull up this link, and you tap it. Do this right now. I'm praying that 100 families will sign up for this today. And it pulls up this thing. It should say Reach Church up here. And then you scroll down a little bit and put in your first name, last name, and email address. You're not signing up for an email marketing campaign. You're going to get 14 emails from us, one one every Monday. And then you're going to get a final one, a 14th one that says, you have completed the generosity challenge. What have you learned? And then you'll be taken off the list, it'll be gone. Is that a deal? And my goal is that, hey, on a Monday, as you're starting out your week, we can get God's word in our heart with this generosity thing and we can cultivate it. Hey, what are we sowing? And how much of it are we sowing? We still see some people signing up for that. That's awesome. And, And I will tell you one other challenge for you is to attend the financial learning experience. This afternoon at five o'clock, there's free food. Everybody say free food, amen. and there's free child care. All parents said amen. amen. And then there is there's only life changing, practical financial teaching. And I know many of us are going to come only for the first two things, right? The free food and child care. That's awesome. Uh, but here's what I will tell you: I'm going to teach on investing. Uh, we're going to talk practically how to do that. We'll talk about retirement and calculate how much money you need to retire well. Um, And that will be alarming maybe. Uh, We'll have Sister Carrie Underwood sing the old hymn, Jesus Take the Wheel after that. Um, We'll show you how to do a budget that actually works. We'll give you free budget templates. Um, We'll also calculate your debt freedom date. And we'll also show you how compound interest can help you get there. It's two hours. It'll be done at 8. So if you want to just come for the event, it's 6 to 8, but there's that free food at 5. Man, there's enough room for you to bring a friend, a family, a co-worker, uh, somebody you know that needs some helpful financial uh, information that can change your life. And let me tell you, there's going to be a whole lot of, of Jesus involved in it too. And I pray that the Lord will move on our behalf. And so will you pray with me as we hand it back to the service team? Lord, I thank you uh, that today we've been able to look at your word. And God, I'm so grateful you supply your word. Lord, I'm so grateful that it still applies to our lives. Whether we're struggling, Lord, or we have financial stability or, God, praise the Lord for those of us that are in surplus. Lord, it still doesn't mean that we're not faced with and confronted with greed and selfishness. And, 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 Lord, I pray today that you would give each of us a clear next step. God, I pray for marriages that have been torn apart over this thing called money. God, I pray today you would start a restoring only that you were able to do and you are able, Lord. And Jesus, I do thank you that you're the ultimate example of generosity, that you gave your one and only life and gave us that free gift of salvation. And you gave it freely. That if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart that God raised you from the dead, Lord, we will be saved, as it says in Romans ten nine. Lord, I pray that salvation would be in this house today. It's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.